0: Let's worship the Lord as we commence our service by singing together the words of Paraphrase 37. While humble shepherds watched their flocks in Bethlehem's plains by night, an angel sent from heaven appeared and filled the plains with light. Let's read God's word as we find it in the Psalm 148, our Psalm for today. It's a Psalm that is full of praise, as the latter Psalms are. All the Psalms are full of praise, but particularly the final ones. Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heaven of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth, And all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of his people. The praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, have people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. And just as Israel was near unto the Lord, so are His people today, the spiritual Israel. Each one of us that know Christ, it's good to know that we're near to Him. And that's a great thought as we come to pray. Let's seek the Lord. Let's call upon His name. Lord, we've been thinking in this psalm about the theme of praise. And therefore, it is with that sense of joy and adulation and praise that we come to the presence of God now in this time of worship. We come to praise Him. We think of all the creation, the various parts that have been mentioned in this psalm, the exhortation for all of God's works to praise Him, high and low, rich and poor, kings that sit upon the throne, and Lord, those that are of mean estate. We come to praise our God today, and we can do that especially as your people, those that are near to thee. Lord, there was a time when we were afar off. We were not near to God at all. There was a time when we were in our sin. We were separated from God. We were doomed. We were under the condemnation of the Almighty, and And justly so. But Lord, there was the day when we were brought near. As the scripture says, we're brought nigh by the blood of Christ. And Lord, you washed us and you saved us. And you cleansed us from our many sins. You imparted eternal life. You gave us a hope for the future. Not a vague hope, but a certain hope. I have a hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus come into my heart. And Lord, that hope is that we're going to see Christ one day, our blessed Redeemer. And we're going to be with Him in the celestial glory of heaven, that place that Christ Himself has prepared for those that love Him. We're going by and by to the palace of a king. Glory to God. Hallelujah. While we traverse this world in this life, We pray that that will keep us near to Christ, true to Him, faithful as those who know Him as Savior. We pray that we will be the abounding Christian, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know, our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And whether it's here in public worship or in our homes, in our places of employment, wherever the daily course of life takes us from week to week, Wherever we are, whoever we are with, help us, Lord, in our life to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, for this is the chief end of man. Bless the congregation today, all who have come here to this house to worship. We thank thee for each one. Lord, you know our circumstances. As God looks down from heaven, his dwelling place, he he sees us every day. He sees the most minute detail. He knows us through and through. There's not any part of our life, but the gaze of heaven is upon it. And Lord, that includes our burdens. That includes our troubles. That includes our sicknesses. And Lord, there are those connected to our church family and they're laid aside at this time. And we want to commit them afresh to thee. We pray especially for Wesley and for Peter in hospital that the Lord will be there to minister to their needs, to cheer them, to encourage them, to strengthen them physically, to raise them up from beds of sickness. We think of others that are laid aside at home and battling with sickness. Lord, be their portion just where they are. Many of them will be listening into this service today. Lord, we pray that even through our worship service to them who are at home and passing through times of difficulty and darkness that the Lord will minister to them and strengthen them and encourage them in the Lord. We pray for any unconverted among us or those that are listening in on the internet who still do not know Christ as Savior. Lord, may this be the day, the appointed day when God will come and meet with them in the gospel. When their eyes will be opened, the scales taken away and their hearts oh made tender and pliable in the hand of God and brought to that place of acceptance where they will receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. For as many as received Him, to them give He power to become the sons of God even to them that believe in His name. Lord, may that be so today. Bring salvation to this house. We pray that You'll bless the incoming week with all our commitments and responsibilities, the things that we seek to do in a temporal sense that need to be done, but especially those things that we do for the Lord in our spiritual service, in our witness to the world, in our reaching out to those that are lost in their sin. Lord, bless the labors of this congregation. And so, Lord, we continue with Thee We pray your blessing upon this day, that which has already happened in Sunday school and Bible class, the good seed of the word that has been sown. Lord, may it bring forth fruit and that which is still to happen now in this service and, and later on through the day, in the afternoon and here tonight for our special meeting. Take control. Have thine own way. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Warm word of welcome on a very cold day. And I had the opportunity before maybe most of you came in to shake hands, and some hands were cold, some hands were were warm, some maybe came from a warm car, but it is cold outside, and we're glad to see you. You've made the effort. You've come to the house of God, which is so important. Uh, No matter what the weather, if we're able to get, we're here to worship God and to glorify His name as a congregation. In the afternoon... We hope to do what we haven't been able to do for a few years, and that is to go around some of the homes and to do some carol singing. First of all, at St James's at three o'clock, and there's two sections: there's upstairs and there's downstairs. So they want us to go to both, and it'll just be a little short time with each group, and then to the Rottens at three thirty. Now, there's a few things I need to say. First of all. A maximum of fifteen people now that's difficult when we get normally thirty, but uh, we just have to bring fifteen people and so uh, keep that in mind maybe maybe you could uh, give your name to Samuel standing there at the back, maybe give your name to Samuel before you leave the service that you're able to go and be part of that uh, fifteen Do not come if you have cold symptoms and if Uh, regarding St. James's, they do recommend a lateral flow. They don't insist on it, but they they recommend it. And we will be uh, just taking all precautions, especially going into these homes. Tonight is the Christmas Friends and Neighbours Night. At seven members of the church will be taking part. We're looking forward to that. You pray for these meetings that they'll be owned of God. Supper will be served. And ladies, you do a tremendous job when it comes to providing the food, and can you bring what we've been asking for these past few Sunday nights, half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns. Now, tomorrow night is is a night, it's about the only night, nearly, that we can do this. We like to go around the the shut-ins and uh, sing a a few carols to them, just to encourage them. Uh, Some of them will just stand outside of the door, so... The recommendation is to bring a, a coat and uh, a warm jumper and maybe a scarf. Um, you might want to put something on your head too. And you might even want to wear gloves if, if you're that way inclined. Uh, so uh, we, we do this most years and that'll be meeting here at seven and then coming back uh, to the manse for some refreshments. Thursday is the midweek service at eight o'clock. And then on Saturday morning, it will be the Christmas open air in Ballamoney at 11, when we encourage as many to come and sing together uh, the carols before we bring a message from the Lord. So 11 o'clock Saturday morning, come and join with us. Next Lord's Day, we begin with prayer at 8 o'clock. I know that it was very icy this morning. We were a wee bit down in numbers, but some of you braved it out, and we're thankful uh, for that. Others prayed at home and that's appreciated also. But ask you to remember us uh, next Lord's day, because I'll have to leave the prayer meeting early to preach in Uganda. I'll be preaching at a quarter past eight at the Emmanuel Mission Church. So do remember us as we, we go to Uganda by the Internet. Sunday school is at 10:30. The Bible class at a quarter to 11, and Mervyn will deal with why a king these questions that he's answering concerning the birth of Christ. Worship service, 12 o'clock. The carol singing at 3 and 3.45. That will be Noggin Lodge and the Covenanters Flats. And then the annual Christmas carol service here in the evening time at 7 when members of the church again will take part. And we really want to invite the community in Please do that if you can. Make it known. I know that you've been giving out uh, personal invitations and asking them to come. Supper will be served, and the, the same as has been asked these Sunday nights for the ladies to bring. I want to thank you sincerely again for your tithes and offerings to the work of God. Today is building fund envelopes. Next week is missionary council and school covenant. As we said last week, anyone seeking communion membership, please see me as soon as possible. Now, here is a special announcement. We want you to, if you haven't been listening to the announcement so far, sit up. (laughs) All right. And it's to do with a project that we hope to engage ourselves in for at least a couple of Wednesdays. And we need volunteers. And the proposal is uh, that we will provide an opportunity for folks to come here to the church, Food and Friendship at Hebron in Struggling Days and that will be for the next two Wednesdays, this coming Wednesday and the following one. We hope to provide soup, rolls, tea, coffee, and biscuits for poor, needy, vulnerable, and lonely people. Transport will also be provided if there are those who need to be transported in, and the time we're suggesting is 11 o'clock until 3 p.m. on the Wednesday. So that gives a a good four-hour period for those who are able to come. If you can help, we're asking you to meet us after this service. We will need uh, folks to be here particularly, to, to man the station, to be here to speak to people, to befriend them, to encourage them in these days. We will need folks to, to serve the food. We'll need transport provided... Um, so if you think you can help in any way, please wait behind after the service. And I think we'll go over here just to the front of the organ side to meet with you. Hope that's clear. If you have any questions about it, please uh, see me. If we get the volunteers, we get the workers, this project will go forward. We continue to pray for the sake of the church. And we've mentioned already Peter and Wesley. They're still in hospital. We remember Madge uh, struggling at home and we think about her often and her husband Dave as well. Think of her sister Marion who's with us waiting on results and all the others that are here on the list that continue to need the Lord's touch in their life right down to Jose over in Spain. We continue to pray for all the needs in Ukraine, for our friends that are here and for the many contacts back there those things that need to be brought to the Lord day by day. I want to thank you sincerely uh, for all who helped with this project. We had mentioned it last Sunday morning in the wee video and the response was very encouraging and if all comes in we'll have well exceeded the target and well, if you exceed it there are many more that can be helped and we're thankful to the Lord for that. Again, we thank those who helped with the pallets. I'm just going to show this. We showed it in, on Thursday night but it just allows you to see there's a team of workers that come in and they rise to the occasion to get three pallets packed and ready to ship out to poor and needy people in Romania. And it's good that these will arrive, God willing, before Christmas time. The weather's very cold there at the moment, and so getting these clothes and Robert's really enjoying doing, getting it, making getting it, sure it's well packed. Uh, so, he, sir, you can see him puffing and panting there, but he, he got down all right. So, just the team coming together. I sent this wee video to the pastor, and he said, um, a beautiful team coming together to do this, and so it was. And we thank you sincerely in the Savior's name. Those pallets needed to be moved uh, from the church, and then brought up a thank you to Macaulay Engineering for allowing us to get them put up into their premises and then ship from there. And that was shipped the following day and it's gone now, gone to Romania. Should be there soon. Anyone interested in a mission trip, a few people have mentioned this to me. We want you to see me as soon as possible. There will be the Vacational Bible School for young people um, next summer. We do that annually. There will be a short trip that'll need to be booked now uh, in the middle of February. If you want details, please talk to me as soon as you can. Thinking about Ukraine, we mentioned this on Thursday night, and I want to mention it this morning because this kind of thing has happened again and again, and so many people have lost their lives, and this has been particularly sad because this mother and father had eight children, and as they were driving, they drove over a mine, and they were blown up, and both of them lost their lives, and the eight children left behind. And I know that Donald, although he doesn't know them personally, he's going to try and do something, uh, particularly in the new year, to help the eight surviving children. So pray for them, these little ones that have been left behind. On a happier note, one, another one of our teachers in Emmanuel uh, Christian School in Uganda got married yesterday, and this is Master George, and he has found himself a wife. Do remember these folks as they continue to labor for the Lord in our school. Over in the land of Nepal, our missionaries has been able to go out and uh, meet with ladies, and this has been a ladies' meeting where she was able to attend and also to give some training to the Sunday school teachers, We had a lovely night on Friday night with our Sunday school Christmas party, and I want to thank all who took part and any special visitor that came to meet with the children. So just a few slides. If you have access to our Facebook page, you'll see all the pictures there, and I think the children really enjoyed their evening together. Let's sing together number 89. It's, it's one I'm sure we'll sing before December is through. We'll sing it again. Out of the Ivory Palaces It's a beautiful hymn. speaks about the Lord coming from glory. My Lord, His garments so wondrous fine and mere, their texture fills, its fragrance reached to this heart of mine with joy my being thrills. Out of the Ivory Palaces into a world of woe, only His great eternal love made my Saviour, go. We are delighted to have Pastor Gordon Thompson worshipping with us this morning. Brother, it's good to see you, and we wish you well as you continue to serve the Lord in every capacity that He opens up for you. The Lord bless you and encourage you as you come to Hebron this morning. Mm That's to see. Let's open our Bibles to the 8th the chapter of Mark that we're studying, going through this gospel little by little. Obviously, the, the gospels are filled with gospel application, and there are some very challenging subjects, challenging texts that we come across, obviously, that are more particular for those who know not the Lord. And we do have a kind of tradition that on a Sunday morning, the Lord's Day worship service, we preach to God's people, and the evening time is the gospel meeting where the emphasis is more upon those who know not the Savior. But from time to time, we like to take up what we call the gospel message to those who know not Christ at the worship service. And going through a gospel like Mark gives us the opportunity to do that. And so we're looking at verse 36 and 37. (coughs) We've prayed today that the Lord will help us to preach the word, that we'll know the infilling of divine power, that the Lord will help me to preach as if this was the last sermon I would ever preach very conscious that we don't know what a day brings forth. We don't know what this day has in store for any one of us. Any one of us could be in eternity before tonight's meeting. And that's how important the presentation of the gospel is. And I couldn't emphasize that any more than what I'm doing now. It's very important if you're not saved to sit up and to listen to what Christ is saying. These are the words of the Savior, and we're reading verse 36 and 37, the questions that are asked here. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You want to think about these things very seriously. In order to help us, and it's so vital, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to really come among us this morning and speak to our hearts. Lord, we bring ourselves before your holy presence again, very conscious that as we meet here, we're met before the Lord. And this is your word, and we've read the words of Christ, these questions that he asked in his day, still up to date, still applicable, still questions that ought to search out the heart. And Lord, we're asking thee to do that now. We pray for attention. We pray, Lord, that you'll give that grace that is needed just to give our hearts over to your word for this little time. And we pray especially for those who are not saved. Lord, that you'll have mercy upon them and deal with them in grace and love just now and draw them to Christ. Help me to bring the message. Lord, I'm weak of myself. I know that. Just frail human flesh. But Lord, when you take a man, and you use a man, and you fill that vessel with God, the Holy Spirit, that makes the difference. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in me and fall upon this congregation. Make this meeting count for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's these verses particularly that I want to, to speak on. I want to think about the value of your soul. No doubt it costs a man to go to heaven. There's things that have to be given up if you're going to be saved. In verse 34, we looked at this last week at the end of the verse, Jesus said, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There is a cross to bear. The road to heaven is often filled with trouble, pain, suffering, and conflict. The old saying is, if there's no cross, there's, there's no cry. you turn for a moment to the gospel of Luke. Jesus Christ elaborates a little bit on this cross bearing, this counting of the cost, in Luke chapter 14 and verse 27. I want to to read these verses with you down to verse 33. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, listen to it, cannot be my disciple. If you don't carry the cross, you can't be a disciple of Christ. You can't be a follower. Jesus says so. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and counteth or consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, cannot be my disciple. There is a cost in being a Christian. We're very honest with you. Jesus is honest with you. If you come to know Christ as your Savior, there are things that you have to give up. You have to part with. And it's a good thing for a sinner to sit down and think to himself, what is it going to cost me to be a Christian? The illustrations that the Lord gives are very clear, very simple. A man that's going to build a building, in this case a tower, he first of all should sit down. Am I able to meet the cost? Am I able to finish this building? Or the king that goes out to war with 10,000 soldiers, but he's going to meet an army with twice the amount. Can I overcome with my 10,000 those 20,000 soldiers of the enemy? He sits down and he counts the cost. And so ought a sinner to do just that. When a man contemplates salvation, the necessity of being saved, the urgency of getting to Christ, he ponders the cost. What will it cost me to become a child of God? There is the cross of bearing reproach, and you will bear reproach for the name of Jesus. There is the cost of of giving up the pleasures of the world. You cannot have the world and have Christ at the same time. You cannot have the world and go to heaven. The world must be given up. If we love the world, the love of the Father is not on us. There is the cost of crucifying the flesh, the cost of mortifying the deeds of the body. The reason why many people do not get sealed is for this very thing. They're not prepared to pay the price. It's too costly. And so I'm saying to you, it costs a man to go to heaven. But I also want to say to you that it costs a man to go to hell, and the cost is greater, infinitely greater. There is no loss like the loss of a soul. To die without Christ, to die without pardon, means to be thrust into hell forevermore. Jesus asks these two questions. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? These questions are solemn and they're witty. The great inquiry therefore for you today sitting in this house of God or listening to us on the internet is this, what are you selling your soul for? If you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, what are you selling your immortal eternal soul for? A man when considering eternal matters, the need of redemption, to escape hell, the desire of sins forgiven, the aspiration for heaven, If he rejects the offer of Jesus Christ. Oh my friends, really, he is putting a price on that rejection. He's putting a value on his soul. He is saying, I am prepared to go to hell for this, for this, for the other thing. That's the cost. And I'm prepared to pay the cost and be lost in hell forevermore. That's the reality of it if you're not saved. What are you selling your soul for? The value of your soul. I want you to notice here, as we look at the words of Christ, that there is the undeniable possession. And that is the soul. You've got a soul in your body. Man is composed of two distinct parts. The physical man, the spiritual man. The physical man I can see, you can see, it's the body that we have. It's the tabernacle that houses the spiritual man or the soul. In your possession is a real, living, immortal, eternal soul. Your body is but the vessel that houses your soul. But the soul is the real person. It is the soul that thinks and feels And reasons and decides. All men are aware of spiritual existence. They have a knowledge that there's more to them than the body, there's a spiritual side. It is the soul's, in the soul's intellect, that a man worships God. Right across the nations of this world, there's a desire to worship God even in the darkest regions of this earth, where the Bible is not known, where Christ is not preached, where they don't have what you are holding in your hand today, a copy of the Scriptures, God's revelation to this world. There's even there a desire to worship something. Why? Because man knows that there's something more than the body. There is a soul, and therefore he has this this desire, this inclination to worship Your never-dying soul is the most precious possession that you have. It's a pearl above price. It's a jewel set in the midst of clay. Nothing is more important than your soul and the destiny of that soul. As a child, we used to sing, and I think it's still sung in our children's meetings, I have a soul to be saved. May this truth be engraved on my mind and my heart while I'm young. Oh, how awful the cost if my soul should be lost and in hell if I die as I am. Your soul warrants the most careful, diligent consideration and attention that you could possibly give. Your soul is so important. It's important because of the origin, the origination of your soul. It came from God. God breathed into man the breath of life. Man became a living soul. You have a soul in your body because God not only gave you your physical man, He gave you your soul. Your soul is important not only because of its origination, but because of its duration it will live forever and ever and ever. If you can just even take that in in a little part, that you will not go out of existence. You will live for all of God's eternity. And therefore, that soul is important. It's important also because of the valuation of the soul. The most important possession that you have. Then secondly, there's the unfathomable loss that Jesus speaks about here. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, man can lose a lot of things in this world. But the greatest loss is the soul forevermore. You might lose your health. And that's a terrible loss. And we would never take away from any who was suffering in ill health I often think of the patriarch Job after losing so many things he came to that time in his life when he lost his health completely broken down in his body unrecognizable by his friends when they came sitting together for seven days and seven nights just weeping together such was the loss that Job sustained and such was the terrible condition of his health and he just wished to die Don't want to live any longer. Don't want to live another day. In fact, he says, I wish I was never born or I had died as soon as my mother had given birth to me. You know, people can get to that place where they're broken in health. And we think of our friends and our families that are in hospital today with health issues. We think of other friends of the church and they're there on the prayer list and they're at home and they're suffering. And some of you today not enjoying the best of health, it's an awful thing to lose your health. You might lose your job. And in these days when people are struggling with the, the hardship and the economy and all that's happening in the country, in fact, through the world, to lose your job is a tragic loss indeed. You might lose your possessions. People have lands, houses, cars, things, furniture, You might lose those things. You might lose your your sanity. might come a day in your life when when you're out of your mind and you're not able to think the way that you once did. You might lose your reputation, and that's an awful loss. You might lose your friends, friends that you thought were your friends, but they turned out not so friendly, and they forsook you. Maybe even stabbed you in the back. And what an awful period of time that is to go through. You might lose your loved ones. And many of you have. Some of you have even lost little children or infant babies. And those are tragic losses. Or you could lose your parents, like those that we've asked you to pray for those eight children in Ukraine whose parents were blown up in that mine. And I have to say, those are terrible losses. And of course, there's coming a day when you're going to lose your life. Your own life is going to be taken away. But my friends, and I say this sincerely, these are virtually nothing in comparison to the loss of your soul. What must it be to lose your soul forever? Nothing, absolutely nothing can compare with it. It is the loss of losses. It is the death of deaths. It is a catastrophe, unequaled in its extent and unparalleled in its amount throughout the universe of God. And you know, men don't seem to realize the value of their souls, for they are prepared to lose their soul for eternity. They are. Be read about some rich men in the Bible and they were prepared to lose their soul. The rich farmer, for example, in Luke chapter 12, went to the door of his home, of his farm, looked out across his fruitful fields, had no thought of God, had no thought of his soul, had no thought of eternity, no thought of heaven or hell, no thought of his immortal soul. He just decided, I'll pull down my barns, I'll build greater, and I'm going to live it up. I'm going to eat, I'm going to drink, and I'm going to be merry. And God says, "Thy fool, thy soul shall be required of thee. But he was prepared to lose his soul. A rich young ruler that came wanting eternal life, you remember he walked away from the presence of Christ without that which he came for, namely eternal life. He was prepared to lose his soul. A soul dying without the mercy of God Having lived for self and the world, the flesh and the devil, is described by Christ as a loss. It means falling headlong into the pit of hell. It means being damned forevermore. It means being imprisoned in the caverns of the damned. What a loss! We cannot imagine such a loss. Oh, listen, my friends, a time is approaching when we shall no longer see through eyes that are blinded by the glamour of this world. The day is coming when every man and and every woman will have the scales taken away from their eyes. And you know what? They're going to see as God sees. They're going to have a proper value put upon the things that really count. And they will see one day the value of their soul. And on that day it's going to be too late and they will say, what a fool I was to forfeit my immortal soul for that which has no profit. And now they face hell forevermore. We cannot begin to fathom such a loss. Take a trip to the place of unending torment. See for yourself the misery and the agony of wretched souls languishing in the flames of hell. Hear them cry with unearthly screams. What would they say to you? What advice would they give to you? Well, I know what they would say. Because in the story that Jesus told in Luke 16, he tells us what that rich man said. Send Lazarus to my brothers. Warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. I tell you, those in hell would say to you, flee this wrath to come. Do not come here. The unfathomable loss. And then thirdly, there is the unprofitable exchange. Jesus asked the question, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I have a soul for sale now at this worship service. What value would you put upon that soul? What price will you offer me for this soul of man? thousand pounds, Ten thousand pounds? Maybe even a hundred thousand pounds might be the value that you would put upon the soul of man. A million pounds? Is that the price? Is that the value that you would put upon it? Is that what you would offer me for this soul? Esau put a value on his soul. We read about it in Hebrews twelve, verses sixteen and seventeen. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like or as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. What a tragedy! the life of Esau is, one morsel of meat. And he sold the blessing, sold his inheritance, sold. That's, that's what value he put upon God's blessing and, and eternal life and his soul. Judas put a value on his soul in the gospel of Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot, went on to the chief priests and said unto them, what will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him, betray Christ. 30 pieces of silver, as you know, the price of a slave, And that was the value that Judas Iscariot put upon his soul. My dear friends, Satan puts a value on your soul. And what is that value? It's the whole world. Jesus says, what shall a prophet a man if he shall gain the whole world? Because that's what the devil is offering you. Or as much of the world, you'll never get the whole world, as much of the world that you can lay your hands upon. What value do you place upon your soul? What exchange are you prepared to give for your soul? Is it pleasure? Are you exchanging your soul for some worldly, lustful, carnal pleasure? How foolish. Earth, earth's pleasures are but for a season and then they vanish away forever. Or maybe, maybe it's a person. Some wrong, lustful relationship that you have entered into And you're selling your soul for that that relationship with some person in your life and you're not willing to give it up. Or maybe it's popularity. You feel if you come to Jesus Christ, you will not be as popular with your friends as you are now. And things will not be the same. Of course they will not be the same. But is that the value that you put upon your soul? Or maybe it's pounds. It's riches. Monetary gain. How worthless is your wealth when it comes to your soul and eternity? But before I finish, let me tell you that God puts a value on your soul. And what is that value? Well, it's more than tongue can tell. You could take all the money out of the world's banks, extract all the gold out of the earth's veins, and fortifications. Gather all the silver and the jewels and the precious stones and pile up all the pleasures of the world in one huge pile and it wouldn't compare to the price that God has put upon your soul. God counts the soul so valuable that he sent his only son, The darling of his bosom, his only begotten son, as he is called, into this world to be the Savior of men. Christ paid the greatest price that could ever be paid. The richest blood that was ever shed. The deepest groan that was ever uttered. All the sorrows and the griefs of earth compressed into one tear. All the sufferings of his people gathered into one repair of pain and agony was the price of that God put upon your soul and mine. Oh, come with me. Visit Calvary. Look at the cross today. See a suffering Savior. See Jesus die in His agony there upon the cross of Calvary. And that's the price that God put upon your soul and mine. Christ crucified for your sin, taking your sin upon His body in excruciating pain, bearing away our sin of the cross. That's the cost that God put upon your soul? What price do you put upon your soul? What's it worth? How much? What are you prepared to sell it for? The story is told of Roland Hill, I'm sure you know it, preaching in one of the parks of London many, many years ago. Lady Anne Erskine from the aristocracy, was passing by in her carriage. She said to the footman when she saw Roland Hill with such a large congregation gathered around him, who is that man that is speaking to such a large audience? That is Roland Hill, my lady. She had heard a great deal about this man and she thought that she would like to see him, so she asked her coachman to draw up near so that she could hear. When the carriage came near. The preacher noticed this lady of nobility and asked who it was. Upon being told, he said, Stop, my friends. I have something for sale. The idea of a preacher suddenly coming, uh, becoming an auctioneer uh, to the people made them wonder. In the midst of a dead silence, he said, I have more than a title to sell I have more than a crown of Europe to sell. It is the soul of Lady Anne Erskine. Is there anyone here who bids me for it? Yes, I hear a bid. It is Satan who bids. And Satan, what will you give her? I will give her pleasure, honor, and riches. Yea, I will give the whole world for her soul. Do I hear another bid? Is there anyone else? Oh, I thought so. And another bid. It is the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, what will you give her for her soul? I will give her peace and joy and comfort that the world knows nothing of. Yea, I will give her eternal life Lady Anne Erskine, you have heard the two bidders for your soul, which will she accept? She ordered the door of her carriage to be opened and left her carriage with weeping eyes and got down on her knees. And she says, I will have Jesus. And there and then she trusted in Christ as her Savior. Man, woman, young person in this service, there are two bidding for your soul, Satan and Jesus. What do they offer? To whom will you listen? Satan offers that which he cannot give the whole world. He will offer you as much of that world that you can gain. Money, pleasure, lust, status, advancement, the nightclubs, the dances, the discos, the the dark lusts of the flesh. These are all fleeting and passing. But my friends, Jesus offers you life and joy and peace and forgiveness Deliverance from hell and heaven at the end of the journey. Which will you have? How will you decide? We're thinking about the value of your soul. And Jesus is asking the question, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The question is from the lips of Christ and you must answer it today. What are you selling your soul for? What is the devil offering you that is so much better than what Christ is offering you? There's absolutely nothing that Satan can give you that's better than what Christ can give you. And I'd rather have Jesus, as the hymn writer said, than silver or gold or anything else that this world has to offer me. I'd rather have Him and have peace and forgiveness and mercy and heaven at the end of the journey. What about you? Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for the opportunity to come to a text like this in our study not by chance, but by divine appointment. And Lord, you brought us to these questions of the Savior, that we might think upon them today, that these questions might search out our hearts. Lord, we pray particularly for those who do not know Christ, that you will speak to them now, that you will challenge them, that they will hear what Jesus is asking. And Lord, may they come to see the importance of their soul how their soul is immortal, how their soul will live on through the countless ages of eternity, and how that they have a soul to be saved, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing, in this world that is worth holding on to at the expense of perishing forever and losing the soul for all of God's eternity. Lord, may they seek Christ. May they choose Christ. May they call upon His name today and know their sins forgiven. Work in hearts, we pray. Speak right now in this service. Don't let any man or woman or young person out of Christ leave this service in that same condition. But may they trust in thee and come immediately for Jesus' sake. Amen. Have you any room for Jesus? Great question at this Christmas time, isn't it? When we've room for so many other things. Have you any room for Jesus? There was no room for him at the inn. Maybe there's no room for him in your heart because your heart is filled with so many other things. Have you any room for Jesus? He who bore your load of sin as he knocks and asks admission, sinner, will you let him in? I pray that you will. Let's stand as we sing our closing hymn. in prayer. I'll not go to the door because uh, time is short. We've got to get out for carol singing. Just two things. One is those that can help volunteer for the Wednesdays come here immediately. And if there's anyone who's troubled about their soul, we're here to speak with you. Don't go away without the Savior. Almighty God and gracious Father, bless your word to every heart. Use it for your glory and separate us now with your blessing and continue with us through this day and all that we seek to do for the Lord, may his blessing be upon it, for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.